This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, if I sound funny, it's because I am sick. I currently have COVID-19. So does my wife. So does my son. So here's the thing is last week's episode or the episode that was released last week called Foxhole Funeral was supposed to be released tomorrow. I accidentally released it early. I already got some good responses on it. So I just left it up. I was not going to record anything this week, obviously, because I caught COVID over the weekend. My throat's pretty destroyed. The rest of my symptoms are, are fairly mild. So, you know, thank God for that. Um, so with this podcast today, I had to come to you for obvious reasons. The last 24 hours have been absolutely insane. My voice is going to break. Okay. I, I know I sound stupid. I just, you know, drank a third of my body weight in honey. I have two cough drops in my mouth right now. I will probably take breaks to cough. I will probably take breaks to take a drink of water or something like that. Just deal with it. And no, my opinions have not changed about COVID-19 now that I have it, now that my family has it. We're all healthy. Um, you know, as of right now, none of the symptoms have gotten any worse. We don't have underlying pre-existing conditions. No, we should not shut down the entire economy for this. The last time I had the flu, it was certainly way worse than this. My throat was way worse the last time I had strep throat. It is what it is. I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about perhaps the worst 24 hours in the history of the Republican Party in the United States. And you guys know that I don't like to hedge anything that I say, okay? I like to figure out my philosophy on something, then I like to go. Okay. And every now and then that means I got to eat some crow and remove my foot from my mouth. The only reason I'm using the word perhaps to, to hedge my bets here is because my brain has been in a state of pissed off for the last two or so hours watching what I've been watching happening in my country. And I'm saying perhaps because I don't want in this recency bias of experiencing what I feel like I've experienced in the last 24 hours in this country to cloud any other really, really bad day in the history of the Republican Party. But there's not a day that I can that I can think of from Lincoln till now that has been worse for the Republican Party in the US in the last 24 hours. So let's let's begin on that a little bit. So yesterday was the Georgia Senate runoff. Okay, so no one got more than 50% of the vote uh, back in November, and so they had to do a runoff election. And in the wee hours of the morning this morning, so I'm recording this as of the 6th of January, so most of you will probably hear this on the 7th of January or soon uh, thereafter. But um, on the 5th of January, okay, so that would be Tuesday. That was yesterday. There was the Georgia Senate runoff election. In the wee hours of this morning, the 6th, uh, it was called that Democrat Raphael Warnock was going to beat Kelly Leffler by 30, 40,000 votes. So it was not going to be a close vote, not even within the margin of error. Okay. Then all the other signs throughout the day today pointed to the fact that Democrat John Ossoff would beat incumbent David Perdue. Okay. That race was actually called this afternoon during some, some other craziness. And so it just really crazy set of circumstances that this would even happen. Some weird things going on. In Georgia, um, this should not have happened. Uh, the, these two seats should not have gone blue. Um, it's very concerning that these seats did did go blue. Uh, and we'll certainly talk more about that here in a second. Because that should have been the worst possible news in the United States today. That the Democrats are now going to have, you know, basically a majority of the Senate because it's a 50-50 split now, which means Vice President Kamala Harris, again, just threw up in my mouth, is going to be the deciding vote on any legislation that is tied 50-50, 49-49, 48-48, whatever. She's going to be the deciding vote. So basically, Democrats have a majority. That should be the worst possible news, especially for the Republican Party. But no, you idiots had to go out and make it worse somehow. Somehow. So earlier today, 
Donald Trump held a rally in D.C. You know, there were tens of thousands of people there, and I thought that was going to be the story of the day. They were basically um, going to do this rally, and then, you know, the Electoral College was going to move forward. They were going to certify the results, and, you know, Trump got to have his rally, but the results were certified. Constitution's all good to go, whatever, whatever. At the Trump rally, Trump said that we will never concede, and, you know, he did his kind of normal thing, you know, never admit in public that, that you lost or something like that. That's kind of a Trump thing, right? But then in the afternoon, they began the process of certifying the results of the Electoral College inside the Capitol. And then all hell broke loose. Uh, people started storming the barricades. They started storming the building. Uh, there was a woman that was shot. There was a report of an IED at the Capitol. Uh, it was chaos, frankly. Chaos all over the place. Um, there were pictures of people in Nancy Pelosi's office taking pictures in her chair. Uh, there was someone sitting at where basically the Speaker of the House or, or the, the head of the Senate, the par- parliamentarian, somebody, basically, they, they were taking seats in there. There was a few dozen people kind of walking around the Senate chambers. Uh, to be honest, it, it struck me of like a terrorist video when you see terrorists that have taken over these individual places. It reminded me a lot of some other things that you've seen with Antifa and Black Lives Matter, but just, just a chaotic situation. Uh, it seems as of right now, I'm recording this as of about just after five o'clock Central Standard Time, um, that there is a curfew that has gone into place in Washington, D.C. It seems like they've, they've cleared out the Capitol. It doesn't seem like there have been any other injuries, certainly no deaths or anything like that, but an absolutely crazy, crazy scene, okay? Um, and just to flow a little bit, uh, the last 24 hours have been very, very saddening and disappointing to me and, and very, you know, infuriating at the same time. I guarantee you I lost sleep last night because I, I, I knew... As of last night, that at the very least, Kelly Leffler had lost to Raphael Warnock. And so I was just holding out hope that David Perdue would beat John Ossoff to give the Republicans the slightest amount of majority uh, to, to hang on to that one seat majority <coughs> inside of the United States Senate. But I, I kept waking up in the middle of the night. It's like, oh, man, this is bad. This is bad for America. It's very, very sad. Just an absolutely horrible couple of months for the Republican Party. Um, you know, basically the worst case scenario. Everybody was talking about how, you know, you know, the House of Representatives gained seats for the Republicans. You know, I think uh, Democrats have like a nine seat lead in the House now, which means, you know, the House could be up in future elections or something like that for the Republicans to take over. But, you know, that that was possibly good. But that has been wiped out by the fact that Joe Biden has won the White House and the fact that now the Democrats have both houses of Congress. OK, it's very sad. It's a very, very sad moment. Um, but I do want to give you some of my thoughts on a little bit more of the thoughts on the Democrats taking over the Senate, but also what happened on the Capitol, which is still unfolding at the Capitol. I guess my first thought on the Democrats taking control of the Senate is what the hell, Georgia? Georgia, seriously, for decades and decades has, has been a Republican stronghold. And I remember even in the last couple of years hearing reports that eventually Georgia will turn purple, Right because of all the people moving into the Atlanta area and the surrounding suburban areas and, you know, how, you know, it's becoming less of a rural state and more of an urban state. And we heard how it was going to be turning purple. And then out, essentially the, the state of Georgia elected Joe Biden president. And then now we've got both Senate runoff races going to the Democratic Party. I, I'm absolutely astounded. I don't know what to say about the state of Georgia. And at this point, guys, like, I don't want to hear it about, oh, well, you know, what about the, you know, the the voting machines and, (coughs) you know, what about 
all the different chicanery going on in all the different races. Guys, guess what? Right now, we haven't had anything proven to us to make us believe that what happened in Georgia was anything other than another victory for Democrats. That's all we know at this point. It's going to end up looking like John Ossoff uh, is going to win by several thousand votes, Raphael Warnock by tens of thousands of votes. These were not especially close elections. But the next thought um, that I want to kind of go into is Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff might seem like they are a different type of person being elected in the Democratic Party, but they are actually the perfect encapsulations of the new Democratic Party. You have in Raphael Warnock, a man that hates America and believes that we're a racist country to our core. And then you have a person in John Ossoff, who is a young person, he's 33 years old, who loves Marxism and socialism and has never really had a a real job. He's a trust fund kid. And it's just, it's crazy to me because I haven't paid that much attention to, to Purdue or to Leffler, but it's like, how could the people of Georgia see them as worse options than a, a couple of guys that literally hate the system of government that these people are voting under that would love nothing more than to replace it. And guys, this isn't an episode and I frankly don't have the energy to go into all the concerning things about Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, but elections have consequences and we're, we're going to be taking the consequences of this. Another thought I had on, on them taking over the Senate. Again, you've heard me say this before. But all of you, I just can't vote for Trump people. You Republicans, conservatives, libertarians, whatever. I just, oh, I just can't have that on my record. Save it. I don't want to hear any complaints out of you for the next several years. I, I don't want to hear it. Because you thought you were playing games. I, you maybe thought at some point that the Senate was just going to stay red. But gosh, you know what? You know, Joe Biden just can't be that bad. Now look at what we're staring down the barrel of. Um, Democrat-controlled House, Senate, and White House. And before you go back and say, well, you know, Barack Obama had that, and, you know, it was two years, and there was a big red wave, and, you know, there wasn't anything that bad that happened. Well, we can talk about Obamacare being forced down our throats, and that being absolutely horrific. But can you even pretend that those two years under Barack Obama are the same as the two years that we're going to be experiencing now? It seems like a completely different country, because it is. I think those years were 2009 and 2010. We don't live in the same country as that now. The, the stakes are so much higher. And, and the, the threat to the constitutional republic is that much higher. But here's the thing, guys, is here's some of the horrific things that are now going to be on the table for Democrats. These are just to name a few. You are already seeing people talking about ending the filibuster, adding states, packing the courts, blanket amnesty for illegal immigrants, economy killing green policies, so so called green policies, restrictions on guns and ammo, codifying Roe v. Wade into actual law since it's not really law, more LGBTQ nonsense, you know, transitioning nonsense for children, racial quote unquote justice, the elimination of student loan debt, attacks on religious liberty, unchecked judicial appointees, you know, Supreme Court nominations. It's not going to end. That's the result of these elections. So for any of you people that, oh, you know what, I'm pretty conservative fiscally and, you know, I have some questions about abortion and there's all these different things, but gosh, I just don't like Trump. This is what you have. And I wonder if this is the America that you want. Another 
thing about the Democratic runoff that I want to talk about is before you can say that the spate of things that I just listed is, you know, is a Christmas list for, for leftist activists, right? It's not, you know, these aren't politicians saying that. These are just blue checkmark people on Twitter. Answer me this. What is the fundamental difference between a leftist activist and leftist politician now? Because I feel like there used to be a, a dividing line, a line of demarcation between a leftist activist and a leftist politician. But the state of Georgia, the supposedly red state of Georgia, just elected two activists to the Senate in Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. These people are activists. These are people that just, oh, they have political leanings and, you know, they believe that we can kill babies in the womb, so they pretty much have to be a Democrat. No, no, no. These, these people are wild-eyed Marxists. And Georgia's like, yeah, okay. Which might show us how, how strong the mainstream media is in basically hiding all the things about those two people. But again, don't have the energy to get into that. Another couple of things on the Democrats winning. Um, guys, I know the, the conventional wisdom would tell you that this is just going to be two bad years. But I think this Democrat reign that we're about to see, this unchecked Democrat reign, is likely to be at least four years, not two. If you look uh, to two years from now, there's not uh, very good odds that the Republicans can take back the Senate. And there's not really good good odds that the Republicans are going to take enough seats in the House to flip the House either. And so I I don't think Joe Biden's going to make it out of his first term, but you will have a Democrat basically at the helm. Uh, It's either going to be him or it's going to be his vice president. But at the same time, (coughs) sorry, I had to take a drink. This is, this is not going to be a a quick and easy thing. Just think about the people that, you know, how long have the last four years seemed like if you were on the, the, the right side of the political aisle in these last four years, this has been a cakewalk and this has been fun for you and you've really enjoyed it, right? It's going to be even worse now that we're on the other side. Okay, the Democrats are going to go unchecked with their power and they don't have any limiting principles. Because if you think about the first two years of the Trump administration, whenever they had, you know, the full, full Congress and the White House, what were the extreme policies that were passed? You know, wasn't, you know, Planned Parenthood completely defunded? Nope. Didn't they, you know, basically expel every illegal immigrant from the country that they could find? Nope. There was basically nothing that you could really point to and hang your hat on in those first two years because there are limiting principles in the Republican Party. There just aren't any in the Democratic Party. And the last thing here is, honestly, the Republican Party is now on life support. The the future is very, very uncertain. And some people are like, oh, that's, you know, that's hyperbolic or whatever, something like that. But guys, the, the, the Republican Party can't split votes. It can't have split support. That, that's why George H.W. didn't get a second term. It was because a lot of people that would have voted for him over Bill Clinton actually voted for Ross Perot, which basically handed the White House to Bill Clinton. It's a, it's a massive issue. And I just don't know where Republicans go from here. Because in the state of Georgia, there, we can already see what happened. The people that stayed home in the state of Georgia were rural voters, mainly white voters. Those are the people that stayed home. They believed what Donald Trump said, that the election had been stolen, and these people just were like, ah, you know what, it doesn't matter. Donald Trump's going to end up in the White House somehow. I don't have to drive to town to vote. I mean, that's going to be a problem. Uh, Blacks showed up in in tremendous numbers in the state of Georgia, which kind of, you know, makes you wonder about some of the gains that were made in the black and Latino communities during the presidential election. You know, maybe that's just because, you know, blacks couldn't get behind Purdue or Leffler or something like that. But um, it's, (coughs) excuse me, 
it's a concerning thing looking at the Republican Party and how things are going to improve in the future. Because when you have someone that's such a lightning rod, but also someone that garners such tremendous support as Donald Trump, I don't see that in another candidate that, that we currently can see. You know, a Nikki Haley or a Tim Scott or, or Marco Rubio or a Ted Cruz or, a, you know, just, just name somebody. Dan Crenshaw even. Like, I just don't really see that. I mean, now I want to move on to the pro-Trump mobs that stormed the Capitol today. And I will give this one caveat before I give you the rest of my comments. There is this caveat that there is some reporting that's gone unsubstantiated as of right now, because this is basically hours old, that some of the people that actually stormed the Capitol were Antifa. That these were Antifa people, known Antifa people, people that were just basically wearing Gadsden flag patches and, you know, Carhartt hats running and storming the Capitol. I've seen a little bit of that online. None of that can be substantiated. So at this point, I'm going to treat the people that stormed the Capitol as pro-Trump people. That, that's basically what I'm going to go for. So the first thought is what an absolute embarrassment you guys are. How supremely un-American is it that you guys did this? Like I'm sitting there with my wife and my son on the couch. We're all sick. We're not having a good time of it. And we were just shaking our head in embarrassment, watching these morons, these losers, attacking cops, busting through barricades, busting outdoors, you know, taking pictures in Nancy Pelosi's <coughs> office. And you might think that that's funny. Oh, the image is funny and all that. Can you imagine how horrifying that is for the staff? Like, can you just imagine being one of the people in there? That's not funny. It's not even a little bit funny. Next thought I have is, this kind of is, and it kind of isn't Donald Trump's fault. I'll start with the latter. It's not his fault because he wasn't telling people, all right, you see that capital over there? They're about to, you know, basically certify these election results. They stole this from you. Let's all get them. He didn't do that. Okay, we got, we got to be fair to Trump here. But what did these people think? Because for the last two months, Donald Trump has told, told them that they're trying to steal the election. Hashtag stop the steal, right? We, we've all seen it. And they had two months to prove in court that that's exactly what happened. The Democrats have stolen the election. And guys, don't hear what I'm not saying. This stinks to high heaven. High heaven. The November election stinks to high heaven. You're telling me Joe Biden got 80 plus million votes, a dead person? That amazingly, every uh, inconsistency with voting or vote totals were only for one guy, always in the favor of Joe Biden. It really, really stinks. But guess what? The Donald Trump legal team and Trump himself have not proven anything. And so don't make me hang my hat on hearsay. Don't make me hang my hat on, oh, well, this stinks a little bit. Okay? Because at some point you either proved it or you didn't and you've got to move on. But here's the other thing that I thought, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump to the podium today. Joe Biden got up behind his, his fake dais where it says, you know, office of the president-elect, which is not a real thing. And he gives a message to the country. And it wasn't a horrible message. And then about 10 minutes later, Donald Trump releases a, a pre-recorded video on Twitter. He was not live. And guess what? Joe Biden's messaging was better. What Joe Biden said was somehow more clear and even though he's absolutely full of crap, um, and we'll talk about more about these Democratic politicians being absolutely full of crap when it comes to these riots and, and this mob mentality type stuff. But I want to play for you what Donald Trump's video said, because I, I do want to pick apart some things here. So this is the one minute little thing that Donald Trump put on Twitter as you know people were basically running through the Capitol, running amok. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election 
that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election. But we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. All right. So some of you will immediately attach to the, to the go home, be peaceful. And obviously, that's the right thing to say. But on the other side of his mouth, he's still talking about the steal. They stole this from you. That's like somebody who's stark raving mad, ready to rip someone's head off and say, you know what? I agree with you. You should want to beat that person up. This is one of the worst things that could have ever possibly happened. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I'm with you. But man, you really should go home. You really should chill out. Like most people can't discern enough inside their souls to know that they should chill out a little bit. It was such an infuriating message. And that's the thing with Donald Trump is he does have some very infuriating messages. Things are very, very unclear, but he gave nothing but fodder to people that hate him because he could have just straight up came out and said, this is completely reprehensible behavior. If you're currently rioting or looting or doing anything inside the Capitol, get out right now. We are sending in the military right now. If you're still in there, it's going to be a problem for you. Get out. We will deal with everything else later. But no, he had to say, oh, you know, this is a steal. This is the worst thing that could have happened to us. But hey, everybody should chill out. I'm sorry. What a horrible message from him. Like he, he had 60 seconds to just not be an idiot. And that was his message. Man. Like he somehow made Joe Biden look like the same one today. Like his brain was actually working. So frustrating. So infuriating. Here's, here's the next thing in terms of what happened today. Republicans, they can never again clutch their pearls about Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And the mainstream media will make sure of it. Because somehow, guys, this makes everyone forget about what Black Lives Matter and Antifa have been doing for the better part of a year rioting and looting in Portland, creating their own autonomous zone in Seattle. You know, the stuff they did in Kenosha, the stuff they did in Atlanta. But on the day that they're certifying the election results, pro-Trump people decide they're going to bust out windows. They're going to attack cops. And guys, while I was putting up this audio for Donald Trump, the woman that was shot earlier in, in the U.S. Capitol, she's dead now. She died. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't know what happened with this woman. I don't know who shot her. I don't know what happened. Someone died today in the U.S. Capitol. Because uh, thousands of people think that the election was stolen from them, even though we haven't seen the evidence to prove that. We haven't seen the smoking gun yet. And here we are. Because you know what I said? Like, I was sitting in downtown Austin the week of the election while they were boarding up all these streets and all these businesses in downtown. And I'm saying, yeah, they're not boarding this up because of Trump people. They're, they're obviously boarding this up in case Trump wins. 
because you know it's going to be Antifa and Joe Biden people that are going to be destroying everything. And then this happens. I can never make that argument again because of these idiots, these morons. Trump supporters have lost the high ground. Republicans have lost the high ground in, a, in an instant. It's absolutely infuriating. But speaking of the mainstream media, because obviously they're never going to let Republicans live this down. Every Republican that runs for election for the next 50 years is going to have to give their opinion as to what happened this day. To the mainstream media, you can miss me with all your outrage about this. You know why? Because the protests were mostly peaceful. Because I heard all last year about the mostly peaceful protests where people were dying, where businesses were destroyed, where lives were destroyed, but it was mostly peaceful. Was this not mostly peaceful today? There were just a few dozen people running through the Capitol, spraying crap and breaking stuff, but it was mostly peaceful. The outrage that I'm seeing from the media, from CNN, from MMSNBC, by blue checkmark people on Twitter, by Democrats today, save it. I don't want to hear it. Because the reason why you never decried Black Lives Matter and Antifa is because you liked their style of writing. You agree with their point of view. And even if you don't, you know that they're useful. Because you knew that this was somehow going to help you in the next election. And, and those are your voters. Those are your people. And you don't want to piss off your people. So miss me with that. I'm out. I don't care about your opinion on this. I don't. And here's the other thing. This is a concerning thing for Republicans. <clears throat> all the people that stormed the Capitol today, all the people that just showed up to the Capitol today, even the ones that were peaceful, which were the overwhelming majority of them, these people will only vote for Donald Trump. And that is terrible for Republicans. Republicans have won one popular vote in like the last 30 years. And I think it was the second time uh, George Bush run when ran whenever he beat John Kerry. Okay. So the Electoral College, they need it. They need every single vote they can possibly get. Right. But this is the problem. Donald Trump's campaign for 2024 starts the day that Joe Biden is inaugurated. And he will suck the energy and, and the focus out of the room for anybody else. And those people today are only going to vote for Trump. Because here's the thing. For me, as not a big-time Trump supporter, I decided to vote for him this year because it was either Trump or Joe Biden. Those are my two options, my two re- legitimate options this year. So I took Trump. But we have more options in 2024. We don't just have Donald Trump. We have a, a myriad of other people. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to name them. I've named them in, in previous episodes and we're going to see people emerge and, and come in and whatever. We're going to have more options. We're going to have more people on the menu. But those people today, are, are they going to vote for Nikki Haley? Are, are they going to vote for, you know, Senator Rubio? Are they going to vote for Governor DeSantis? Are they going to vote for Tucker Carlson? Are they going to vote for any of these people? No, these are Trump people. These aren't Republicans. These are Trumpians. That is horrible for Republicans. And you already have Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump and all these people coming out basically saying that if you're a Republican and you're not down to, to challenge these election results, these, these horrible election results from November of 2020, that they're going to primary you the next time you come up for election, right? They're, they're, they're going to bust you out. So they're creating their, only, their own little Tea Party movement. Republicans can't afford to do that. One group of people stayed home in Georgia and it got two Democrats elected to the Senate. That group of people were white, uh, rural people, rural white people. They stayed home. If those people came out and voted the way that they did just a couple of months ago, those two seats go red. 
That's a huge problem for Republicans. My last thought on this here is that <clears throat> every major Republican immediately decried the use of violence today. Every single one. So they went on Twitter, they went on the news, you know, Ted Cruz, Dan Crenshaw, like, you know, the Vice President Pence, Donald Trump, every single one of them came out immediately and said, stop it. Stop it. Get out. Stop doing this. And we never saw that from Democrats. And do not let people forget that. Because all of a sudden, everyone's going to have this short-term memory that all they can remember is what happens with Republicans today. But when all these cities were on fire this year, where were the Democratic politicians? Where was Barack Obama? Where was Oprah? Where was LeBron James? Where were these people, these heroes? These heroes of the Democratic Party. These heroes of progressivism. Where were they? You know, they would kind of give this tongue-in-cheek, yeah, you know, we don't agree with, with violence and you really shouldn't hurt people, but we understand, you know, with all the systemic racism and we understand the bubble. They would basically, in one side, they say, ah, you know, we probably shouldn't be doing this. On the other side, it's like, ah, but, but, but we get it. But we can't let people forget that Republicans came out of me and they said, this isn't how we do things. I don't know of a single Republican right now, a single one, even, even in my friends that are happy about what happened today. Like, so such an embarrassing thing, but I do have a parting message here because I, I have no idea how I'm even, I'm even still standing right now, but here are my parting message. I have a pessimistic parting message and then an optimistic parting message, which will get us right into the quick resilience boost. Okay. The pessimistic parting message is that the constitutional Republic may be unsalvageable. And I mean it. I've thought about this and I've thought about this and I've thought about this and I, I would love to eat crow on this later. I don't know that we can put the genie back in the bottle. The next likely four years of Democrat-controlled White House and Congress is going to do untold damage to our constitutional republic. If they end the filibuster, that might be it. That, that literally might be it. The stuff that's going to be rammed down the throats of the American people. And can you imagine if this is an eight-year cycle? Eight years of Democrat-controlled House, Senate, and White House? I don't know that we can come back from that. I'll know that we'll be able to come back from the spending, right? A lot of that spending did start with W. Bush, was blown out of the water by Barack Obama, definitely didn't stop at all under Donald Trump. That's not sustainable. The, the increase in influence in uh, countries like China over the next four years, the dangers with countries like Iran that were op- looking to get right back into the Iran nuclear deal, probably, like this, this year. The, the Constitutional Republic that we know that we've grown up under, it, it literally might be over. Like, we may not be able to fix it. <clears throat> We're going to be telling our kids and grandkids about what it used to be like when we could just actually have the First Amendment. These things are actually possible. I'm not being hyperbolic, okay? This, this isn't the, the medicine talking. How are we going to put the genie back in the bottle? The government never gets smaller on purpose. It's only going to continue to expand. And when the government expands, it expands into your life. And I've thought about this. It's like, you know, but where would I go? Nowhere else in the world has the freedoms that we have even right now. There's no enshrined First Amendment in Canada. Like if you heard some of the things that were going on in the government in New Zealand or Australia or any of these other places where you're like, oh, I could probably live there. You'd be absolutely horrified by some of the things that these people are doing. (coughs) But I'm very pessimistic about our future as a country. But this goes into the thing that I'm actually optimistic about. And that's that Christians 
are going to have to rely on God. <coughs> because we can't rely on the Republican Party. We can't re rely on Big Brother. Like, Big Brother doesn't care about us. And this led me, this is just going to go right into the quick resilience boost before we let you guys get out of here, is the book Take Heart by Matt Chandler. So I've actually talked about this book on the podcast. I think it was the first year that we had this podcast. But I want to read to you the description from this book. And then I'll obviously give you the link to it. Here you go. Christendom is dead. And that's a good thing. The Christian culture that has underpinned Western society for centuries has been eroded. We're now at a point where to disagree with people on issues such as marriage and sexuality is seen as hateful. Christians are no longer seen as honorable, but as bigots. But history testifies that the more people try to destroy Christianity, the more it grows. So we are entering an exciting period of time because we're back in the place where Christ's church can thrive, at the margins of society. In this stirring, passionate book, Matt Chandler shows us we need Christian courage like never before and how to live with compassion and conviction, able to look around positively and reach out confidently. It encourages us not to be thwarted by fear, but to depend on God and to have confidence that Christ will build his church despite continual marginalization. A must-read for any Christian who wants to understand how to stand firm and walk forward in an increasingly secular culture. So, that book is a good, short, easy read. Um, I think it's going to be poignant. I think it's going to be helpful because, guys, we've got some very, very dark days ahead of us. COVID, we're, we're probably going to have a, a third and fourth wave. More people are going to die. Your rights are going to be infringed upon. Your life is going to be directly affected you know, your kids' lives are going to be directly affected, some of it without even your say-so. And I'm so sad. I'm so sad for everything that, that we're experiencing right now as a people. I can't believe what I've witnessed today on television. I just, I just want all this to go away. But I'm not going to be one of those guys that just hides. And don't be one of those guys that just wants to, oh, I'm just going to unplug and go to the woods and not deal with anything for a while. This is real life. And if we care about this country, if we care about the kingdom, we can't just bury our heads in the sand. We can't just like, oh, you know, I could, I could read a book about what's going on right now, but I think I'd rather read uh, the, this novel about some love story just so I can decompress. No, we need to stay in the pocket. We need to stay in the fight. Okay? All right, guys, I appreciate you listening to this podcast again. Sorry for the voice. Sorry for the, the multiple breaks. It just is what it is. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve a five-star review, please leave us one in a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I'm booking speaking engagements for the entirety of 2021 after I get my voice back. So if you want me to come speak on your podcast at your men's event, at your team, hit me up, info at undaunted.life. The email is info at undaunted.life. The website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. Links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience. Keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. Keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Right